Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm Susie Lysett, Good Lord Senior Content Executive, and today I'm joined by Anita, Team Leader for the Account Management Team at Vouch, uh, which is a leading referencing company and part of the Good Lord Group. So welcome to the podcast, Anita. Thank you. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at landlord licensing. Um, it's obviously a bit of been recently a bit of a flurry of activity in the area in England. Um, so I think it's quite a good time to have a look at those schemes and see what they're aiming to achieve. But first, Anita, it'd be great if you could perhaps introduce yourself, um, tell us a bit about your your background. Yeah, sure. Um, I've been in lettings for about 15, 16 years. Um, started back in South Africa, of course, and then when I moved to the UK, I sort of just fallen into it. Yeah, so just all sorts of different roles from anything from letting agent, property manager, sales negotiator, branch manager. So I've done a bit of everything in the industry, and it's definitely a big passion of mine, the letting industry in itself. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I joined Vouch as part of the account management team, and I'm lucky enough now to be able to be team leader of such an amazing company to work for. So, yeah, we're really happy to be here. That's great. Well, it sounds like you've obviously got quite a bit of uh, background, quite a bit of experience in the uh, in the industry. And obviously at Vouch in the referencing side, you, you can see it from a different yeah. angle again. So, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's perfect then. So let's um, let's dive into to this topic of landlord licensing. I think that one of the first things it's probably important to do actually is that uh, to, to perhaps define really what, that is, you, you know, what, what what it's all about and um, also how it differs to a landlord register, because that is also something which um, which is normally discussed in, in similar circles, I suppose. So how would you define those? You know, what, what is landlord licensing versus a landlord register? Yeah, sure. In, I mean, a landlord register, as it's the name sets out, it is for landlords to register on a national database, just so it's more transparent parent for agents and tenants alike to see who the landlords are. They keep a register. They have to comply with certain minimum legal requirements to be able to be on the register. It's basically for the tenants to make sure that they're not fallen into a lease agreement with a bad landlord, to put it in short. So um, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland have got registers in place already, which is great, but in England, we don't have anything like that yet. So that is on the horizon, but there's still a lot lot of um, speculation on whether or not it is going to happen. So the difference mainly is these registers um, is in place in, as I say, Scotland, Wales and uh, Northern Ireland, and agents and tenants alike can go and look at these registers if they want to go and see if their landlord is on that. It's very strict as well, because if you look, for instance, in Scotland, um, to be able to register in the first place, landlords need to declare um, whether they have any criminal con- convictions, for instance, any court or tribunal judgments. They have to declare all licenses and the registrations they currently hold any accreditations, you know, if they comply with any repairing standards enforcement, you know, a lot of things to have to adhere to to be able to even be on this register, which is a great peace of mind for any tenant. If I'm a tenant and I sign a lease agreement, I can go and check, yes, I've got a good landlord here, not a problem. As I say, something like that is not in England at the moment. So in England, we rely solely on licensing, which um, is they just as... We've got three different ones, basically, the mandatory, additional and selective licensing. And that's the only way. If your landlord falls in a part of an area which have licensing in place, then you can see who your landlord is. If it's not for these licensing schemes, there's no other way. 
That's uh, that seems like a pretty good breakdown, and it's obviously that the two uh, the two concepts with the register and licensing they are quite interconnected. I think it's yes, in, um, it's in Wales. I believe I'm correct in saying that they have mm-hmm. obviously the register and also landlords that aren't using an agent they need to get licensed. So absolutely, um, yeah, there is a bit of a crossover there. <laughs> it is confusing because you to, you get a license by being registered. Um, so if you, when you when you start looking into it, it does sound like it is across the board, you know, in the entire UK, but it, it isn't. There is a difference. So definitely, it, I mean, as I say, the main the main difference is that tenants don't have any way to go and look in the UK at the moment, in England, um, for instance, and that's the massive difference it will make. No, it's true. We are a bit of the an outlier here in England, um, yeah. this, so with that being the case. But obviously, that is something which, um, you, you know, as you say, it's uh, it's being discussed at the minute. I know that in the Leveling Up White Paper, I believe it was yes. um, it was raised. Do we think that that will advance the agenda any more quickly? Um, possibly. I mean, the White Paper obviously sets out the government's plans to tackle the poor housing conditions. And the only way they can do it is with changes in legislation. And a massive big part of that is the landlord register. I mean, there's so much work gone into the research, into the pros and cons of having it already. And it's just said again in the white paper. It doesn't say anything new. It just points out what is already being discussed and on the table for future plans. Um, so I know I know that you touched on some elements of this, but in terms of the licensing schemes that are obviously currently in existence in England, what kind of criteria do those touch on, um, especially the fact that there are different versions? You know, you've got selective licensing, you've got HMO licenses as well. You yeah. Know, what, how, how, um, how do they all work? So you've got your three main different licenses at the moment. So you've got your mandatory HMO licenses, um, which is, um, it's been in place for quite a while. So obviously that cover your HMO properties, which, as everyone knows, are shared by five or more people in two or more different households. So it is in place mostly to make sure that landlords comply and adhere to all the legal, um, you know, the compliance bits to make sure the property um, covers health and safety. It's easy for a landlord to come in and say, oh, I'm now going to earn double, potentially triple of my rental amount, renting this to five or more people. But what they don't take into consideration is how the maintenance will affect them, how more expensive it will be to look at the property. And there's a lot more to take into account. So, and, and overcrowding as well. So I can definitely see why mandatory HMO licenses are a very good plus to have in the industry. Then you get your additional licensing. It also applies to HMOs. And these licenses are brought in by individual councils where the mandatory HMO license aren't really good enough to cover what is needed to be covering. So in addition to HMO licensing, you can have your additional licensing if the HMO one doesn't go far enough. And then obviously you've got your selective licensing. So this cover um, all private rented properties in a specific area or council area or local authority. So it can be any property by how many ever tenants living there. It is just for the council to be able to target a specific area if need be. So those are your three licensing criteria. So criteria that they need, for instance, to look at is why would you want to bring a licensing in place in that area? So they look at, for instance, low housing demands, poor property conditions, high level of migration, high levels of crime. It, it doesn't. It sounds like an easy process, but there's a lot of work that goes into getting this license in place. So it has to cover one or more area of a list of issues that might occur in that area. 
And also the most important bit is whether or not the area has a high proportion of rented properties. So I think the current amount is about 19 or 20 percent of properties in that area needs to be rented properties for them to be able to even consider a licensing scheme. So, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, You can look at, for instance, you know, there's a planning and setup stage, then the consultation. They have to look at license conditioning conditions administration of the scheme enforcement. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. Also, they look at whether or not this licensing will actually make a difference. If they can do anything else, for instance, instead of putting a license in place, you know, if there's antisocial behavior, is there anything else we can do instead of trying to monitor it by adding a license? So yeah, there's various of various different criteria to have a look at. No, it's a, it's a very good point to make about whether whether licensing is required. I suppose it's uh, it is interesting to see because it isn't a nationwide initiative. It is something where it is selective and so on. It is yes. that in the name? Absolutely, yes. So they look at, for instance, there's an overall housing strategy in all areas, and it has to be coordinated with that. You know, they look at homelessness, empty properties, as I say, antisocial behaviour. You know, market renewal activities. So there's a lot of different things to look at. Um, if you look at, for instance, at the, um, for instance, antisocial behavior, a lot of areas where that is a problem already has schemes in place to target this. They've got certain activities um, going on in the areas to already tackle that problem. So they will look at all, all the different criteria before they make that decision. It it does make sense, and obviously it's it's quite an in depth process that the yeah. different councils and areas have to go through in order to yeah. to become or to to be able to hold a license or to be able to apply a license to to landlords. We'll be right back after this message. Do you want to stop wasting time on admin and jumping between different platforms to get just one job done? Do you want to focus on your agency's business goals instead? From automated offer letters and e-signing to online referencing and even rent collection, Goodlord can help your agency get rid of the admin heavy parts of your lettings job in one integrated platform, so you can refocus on your business and your customers. Head to goodlord.co today to learn more. Goodlord, it's just that good. With the fact that there isn't one national licensing scheme in place. How do the landlords then know whether they'll need a license to operate within their area? Where do they get that information from? It's very important for landlords to be aware of what's going on with regards to licensing. I mean, the fines um, is extremely high if they don't comply. And also to remember that tenants these days, renters are a lot more savvy. They know what's going on in in the rental market and they know, for instance, they can go and have a look. If their landlord is in an area where they should be licensed and they aren't, they can actually report that and have quite good financial reward for doing that. So it's in the landlord's own interest to investigate this and make sure. Obviously, if they've got a good letting agent that rents manage their property, they should know and point them in the right direction. If not, um, it's advisable to go and look on their local council website. And they can see the information on there. They can literally just type in their details of the area or the address, postcode, and they can see on there whether or not there's a licensing scheme in place. So I would actually advise all landlords to just go and check on their local council website and just make sure that they don't fall within that licensing scheme area just to be on the safe side. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, yeah. as, you, as you rightly stated, it's one of those other areas where letting agents yeah. can obviously have that knowledge and ensure that they're sharing that with their landlords to help keep. Oh, compliant. absolutely. Yeah, everything is so transparent these days and any tenant can just fall, stumble upon a, an article on this and realise they might fall in such an area. And it's easy to find out if their landlord isn't registered. Um, at the moment, it's hard because there isn't one register that covers the whole of England, for instance. It is only in your, you have to go in each area. If you want to look at London, you need to go and look at the London area. If you need to go and look at Nottingham, same for there. There isn't just one place where I keep such a register that I'm aware of. So, yeah, but I mean, each landlord can literally just go on there and go and have a look. It's in their best interest. I mean, if they don't get license, the fines are up to £30,000. They can be banned from the register for up to five years. You know, there's a lot to think about. And they can also have a repayment order of paying tenants rent back for 12 for twelve months, up to 12 months. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong if they don't do it. So it's highly advisable. Again, if they have a good letting agent, then that should at least give them some peace of mind. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's a pretty good um, summary, an overarching summary of, of what they are and obviously what they're attempting to achieve, what licenses yeah. are. But um, perhaps we could take a look at some these were case studies. I mean, obviously, as I said at the beginning of, of, um, of the podcast, we there are a few different licensing schemes which are being announced at the minute. I think there's one in Liverpool um, primarily is perhaps one of the most recent ones. Can you give any examples of where these schemes have been introduced and how whether they have actually achieved the goal, um, you know, sort of making sure that tenants have more visibility over their landlords and so on? Absolutely. I mean, as I say, there is, I had a quite a good look around and to see how many schemes are actively in place at the minute. It's hard to find unless you've got some official documents in place. And the last one I could really find was back in 2019. But if we look at, for instance, the different areas, everyone always touches on London, for instance, because that's obviously where most of the selective licensing schemes are in place. Um, But we're going to look, for instance, at Manchester, because that's quite an interesting one. Um, They have just introduced a scheme in um, four new areas, for instance, um, which covers... um, uh, 1,402 private rented properties. So that areas includes um, Gorton and Abbey Hay and Clayton and Openshaw. So already just putting these licenses in place, they've done inspections on um, some of these properties and they found six serious category one hazards and 215 other category two hazards. So that's led basically to three enforcement letters being served um, and 91 letters were sent to landlords informing them of less severe hazards. So just in that small space of time with those amount, a small amount of inspections being done, they have already identified quite a lot of issues. And you know what? Word spread. So they would landlord speak to landlords and neighbours speak to neighbours. You know, and they will say, listen, my property has been inspected. You better have a look at this and that so you don't fall into this trap that I have fallen into. So, yeah, Manchester is quite a good um, example. There was four schemes already in place, which um, covers just over 1,600 properties. And again, if out of those ones, 554 properties have been inspected. And there were 18 fines totaling £108,000. Um, so there was quite a few properties being targeted there to make sure that the landlords do comply. So, yes, I mean, we can look at different areas. There's a few towns that I can think of um, in Nottingham, Leeds, even here in Sheffield, for instance. 
I've had first-hand experience of um, a selective licensing scheme in one of the areas that we had properties in that we managed. And it didn't happen overnight, but I would say about a year into the scheme, we could we could see a difference in the area that it made. I mean, we had tenants coming and going in this property every six months because it looked wonderful on paper, but when I move in, I realize what's happening. When the scheme came out, the landlords absolutely were so happy about it and it made a difference. I mean, that very same property, a year later, the tenant renewed their tenancy. They stayed on. We could actually increase the rent for the landlord. So it does work. This was, for instance, in a case of antisocial behavior. Um, this ones in Manchester are mostly due to housing standards and make sure that the standards of living are what it should be. So that's really a good example of, of how the scheme does work. It gives the local authorities the power to enforce this as well. And it's nice for landlords to have that little bit of extra help, you know, um, and for tenants as well, just to make sure that they are being looked after. Yeah, there's loads of examples, but yeah, these I found that these ones were quite at quite a good result because of those licensing schemes. No, well, it's uh, it's interesting to see how they they do work, and um, obviously, as you said, helping landlords and tenants as well. You know, it isn't yeah. intended to be one sided; it is intended to be uh, something which just raises the standard overall and uh, help mm-hmm. those those landlords that may not necessarily be aware of some of the oh, legislation that is out yeah. there as well, because there is a lot. <laughs> absolutely. There's so much to think about, but it's just an extra helping hand. Um, and you know what? You get areas where they are really, really good landlords, but you get the bad ones. And unfortunately, they are the ones that bring the area down. They don't inspect the properties. They don't make sure that they don't maintain it. There's overcrowding going on. And the poor landlord next door who looks after his property and makes sure that it's run properly suffers as a result. So it's definitely working in, in this landlord's favour, for instance. And what, what do you think about, uh, I've seen that one recently, one scheme, it's um, actually uh, suggesting, you know, it's a discount for having a good EPC rating at that property, obviously incentivizing landlords to to focus on energy efficiency, for example. I mean, do you think that that kind of thing is a good idea? Do you think that that, uh, that can help landlords make improvements? In my opinion, not really, unless it's a massive, massive um, incentive for them. I mean, they've just gone through massive EICR changes all sorts. So unless it is a big incentive, I can't see that it will really make a massive difference, to be honest. If they happen to fall into a good EPC rating and they get an incentive, then they'll take it. But if they need to make spend so much money to just get a little bit of a discount, it's not really going to make a massive difference, in my opinion. No, well, that's uh, that's fair enough. But uh, I suppose at a certain point, these changes will have to be made. So oh, it's yes. Take advantage of it a little bit earlier and uh, yes. try and spread those costs. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, perhaps perhaps just to um, to wrap up, I, I don't know. Um, obviously, we've we've discussed the fact that there's likely or it's a, a landlord register is on the cards. I mean, what do you think is the future of um, licensing, let's say in England, because we've already established mm. that um, you know it's yeah. uh, Scotland and Wales obviously have their separate um, separate processes. Um, but where do you think that this particular system of having the three types of licensing? Do you think that will be the mainstay in England? Do you think that it will evolve to become more similar to Wales? Uh, what What are your thoughts there? I definitely think in the future it's not going to happen in the in the short run. Um, I do think it will. We will at some point get the landlord registered. There's a lot of opposition at the moment. People 
you know, landlords and agents alike think it's not a great idea. They think, um, you know, paying £500 for a license where the money can be spent elsewhere. It's a massive job to getting it up and running, just getting the administration part of it up and running. And then just remember, there's a lot of legislation they need to comply with at the moment. And a lot of people think, well, we have all these different things that we need to comply with in terms of gas certificates, EICR, EPCs, you name it, smoke alarms. Why do we already have all the stuff in place when you want us to to prove one more time that we are a good landlord? If I comply with all of this already, costing them a fortune, why should I now also be on a register? So there's obviously a lot of um, arguing going on about it and a lot of discussing. But I do think for now, the licensing does work. It serves its purpose, but there will be a landlord register in the future. as I say, people will be up in arms, but the moment it's there and I start using it, it will just be another thing that we are getting used to quite quickly. Oh, I suppose then we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we'll get a bit more in the renters reform bill white paper when that's released. Um, obviously, Absolutely. we're expecting some, some further details in there, hopefully, yeah. anytime now, <laughs> I, I suspect. So uh, Absolutely. We'll wait and see. Watch well, the space. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you ever so much then, Anita. No problem. That's, uh, that's been um, quite a good uh, discussion to have, um, obviously, just setting out what licensing is, you know, what it looks mm-hmm. like in England and, you know, whether yeah. it is achieving its purpose, which is obviously the main thing. Um, so thank you very much for joining me in this podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me.